Hello and welcome to Flatris. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Suddenly You by Lisa Klapis. This was published in 2006 and is a standalone. Um, I believe the subtitle is A Novel of Seduction. First of all, yes. She was unmarried, untouched, and almost 30. But novelist Amanda Bryars wasn't about to greet her next birthday without making love to a man. When he appeared at her door, she believed he was her gift to herself, hired for one night of passion. Unforgettably handsome, irresistibly virile, he tempted her in ways she never thought possible. But something stopped him from completely fulfilling her dream. Jack Devlin's determination to possess Amanda became greater when she discovered his true identity. But gently bred Amanda craved respectability more than she admitted, while Jack, the cast-off son of a nobleman and London's most notorious businessman, refused to live by society's rules. Yet when fate conspired for them to marry, their worlds collided with a passionate force neither had expected but both soon braved. Awful jacket. It's <laughs> pretty bad. First of all, she's decided not to go through with hiring the prostitute. So it's like, okay, so step one, he, there's a lot of dubious consent in the beginning in a way that I just forgave. Um, but also, there's no mention of her for me, like, set up in London and the fact that she's a rising author and the fact that they're like in business together. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of a lot of issues. There are a lot of consent issues with this book that just aren't brought up at all and yet I kind of just went with it. This book is basically historical erotica. Like this book is like there's so much sex in this book. And there's not a ton of conversation about it either and there's not a lot of plot in this book either but like i i really like discussions of consent and sex in romance novels yeah um i like characters who talk about what they want both personally and sexually communication is hot all around and this book sort of throws all of that out the window they don't talk they just do yeah. Like, they don't talk about their feelings. They don't talk about what's going on in their relationship. If one of them wants to change something, the other just obliges and disappears. Like, so the fact that there's not a whole lot of consent in sex is sort of part of the force because I don't feel like there's a lot of consent in the way they get to know each other. Like, he even just shows up at her house uninvited for dinner all the time. Yeah. Like, in ever, all of their dynamics, they never make plans, they never hang out, they never choose to get to know each other better. He just, like, shows up in her life all the time. The way you described it, it makes me think of my husband. Whenever we go to his hometown, I'm always like, oh, you should call your friends, you should do it. And he's like, eh, we'll just go to the bar, they always show up there. And, like, we always miss them every year. But if this were suddenly you, he would just go to their house and be like, hey, showed up for dinner. Hope you made enough. All good. Um, so what was your 22-word summary? As her 30th birthday present to herself, novelist hires a prostitute to take her virginity. Turns out it's her new publisher. Oops. 
I, uh, I get some similar themes. <laughs> I so mean, look, was... look, I'm, this is the book. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, there's a spoiler in mine, but I'm not sorry because I hated it. The, I, not the book. I liked the book. I hated the spoiler. Spinster, who doesn't know she's hot, hooks up with her publisher. He won't catch feelings, so she dumps him, but uterine secret. <laughs> yeah. So um, he is, like, super hot and super built. And she talks specifically about, like, the grooves of his abs. Like, he's not just burly and, like, fit. He's, like, dehydrated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that actually makes total sense with his, our Gentleman Jackson feature. So this is Gentleman Jackson's Get Fit Workout for the publishing mogul, I guess. And... It's a drink whiskey, smoke cigars, and haul boxes that one time. Yeah, he, he did it once. And uh, you want to know what I really liked, actually? So, Clayfus does these, she does these things um, where she'll, I, I feel like she does this research about specific things and then she wants to throw it in there to give you, like, a sense of what you're getting. And I do really like it. So, um, he owns this huge bookstore, and it smells really good. It smells like tea leaves. And it's because they use the old crates from the, the tea leaves that they were shipped in to put the books in. And I'm just like, oh, like, I'm sure that Clay was doing research and was like, oh, did you know that in this bookstore they did this? And I was like, oh, I love it. It's so good. It, this, this is not a trope, but I, that makes me think that this is sort of like a sexy version of You've Got Mail. Because Jack is basically like the big box store. So, of course, this is also dated because now all Borders and, and Barnes and & Noble are all out of business because of Amazon, right? But remember back when Borders and Barnes and & Noble were putting all the small independent bookstores out of business? That's what Jack does. Like, Jack is, like, so ruthless. He just has the biggest bookstore ever. He publishes the books, too, so he can um, basically price gouge all his competitors because he can publish the books or, or sell them at a profit at a lot. So they're able to overcome their conflict. Yeah, so they're, they're able to overcome it, even though she doesn't agree with what he's doing. So it's not really a trope, but I I just thought it was really, I think, so this was published, what, in 2003, we said, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think back in, two, or excuse me, this was 2006. But even so, I think that was, like, the big thing at the time was the, the big box bookstores rather than, like, Amazon putting them out of business. So I think this was a little bit of a callback to that. Okay. Um, so there are a lot of folks. Yeah. Uh, our heroine is not a beauty, but her eyes are exceptional. This is very much, she's not a beauty. She's, like, plump. She's got, like, super curly hair, not, like, the beachy waves, but, like, really frizzy hair, basically. She's like, basically looks like Miss Frizzle, in my mind. But okay. Jack thinks that she's, like, so hot. Can't but say I hate it. If you're wondering if she has to articulate that she's not hot through the text several times, yeah. And did it annoy me? Yeah. Yeah. And and yet I also liked it, though. I did not love... There's a sex scene where he makes her say, I am beautiful over and over, and it made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> I can't say I loved that part. I think for me what I like is the fact that he thinks she's really hot, basically. No, I mean, I get that you are somebody who takes to a teeth. Yeah. 
Like, I'm, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is how profoundly insecure she was about it. Yes. Well, it does bring me to one of my favorite tropes, which is the younger man, older woman. Uh, I kind of loved it a lot. And I also was like, hmm, what is Jack looking for, really? Because, like, with the way she's described is, like, very motherly. And in for her horrific dress. Yes. Yep. Like, one of the things that bothered me the most, the first scene, it talks about how he unbuttons her brown and orange striped dress. I'm like, no? And they talk about the first time she goes to meet him, what she knows who he is, and they have a formal meeting, that she's, like, school-marmed it up. Yeah. Just like, what is he into? He's into Miss Frizzle. Like, think about it, Lane. Now that I've said that, are you like, oh, I get it. Like, buxom Miss Frizzle, yeah. Like, yeah, if you look at the original Miss Frizzles, like the original Magic School Bus, that's what he's into. Except for probably no glasses. Yeah. But other right. than that, that's what he, like, crazy patterns on all her dresses. Super frizzy red hair. We're going to get into a lot of weird references in this episode because I have a theory about the guy she dates when she's dumped. I can't wait. I can't wait. No, I, brought, I think he's Dr. Seuss. <gasps> wow. Tell me I like him. it. Gosh. What was his name? Uncle Hartley. Yeah. Tell me Uncle Hartley's not Dr. Seuss. Definitely could be. So you, it's Miss Frizzle and Uncle Hartley getting together? Yeah, I think it's Miss Frizzle and Dr. Seuss hooking up in this book. Um, well, they didn't actually hook up, which makes total sense if it's Miss Frizzle and Uncle Hartley. I mean, Do Dr. Seuss. So, I will say that the overall plot of this is really simple. She, for her 30th birthday, hires a prostitute. The madam she hires the prostitute from decides there aren't any prostitutes good enough for her, so she sends her publishing friend who wants to meet her to hire her anyway. They agree to work together after overcoming some initial reluctance, and then just can't keep their eyes off each hands off each other, so they decide to have an affair. But then she finds out that people have kind of started to know about it, so she wants to break it off because he's made it clear he has no intention of marrying. So she wants to preserve her reputation. And then, spoiler alert, whoops, he knocked her up. Yeah. And so they have to resolve their differences, and that's pretty much the whole plot. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I I, re I like this book, and this is probably the second or third time I've read it, and I do, I do really enjoy it. I will say that I really, really like it up until they break things off. Same. This, the first half of this book is much better than the second half. Yeah. The first half is, like, so fun. I mean... Yes, there are things that I have issues with. The fact that she hires a prostitute. The fact that he doesn't tell him, tell her who he is. The, right? The, the fact that they don't really talk about their feelings. Or on the other, yeah, or consent. The other, on the other hand, there's like so much sexual tension. You really feel like they are well suited for each other. You get the feeling, like you understand why they're attracted to each other. Like I really like that up until... And I even, to be honest, I even like when she breaks it off with him. It's after that how it's resolved that I don't like. Yeah, and I will say, there's three weird sex things that made me uncomfortable in this book, and only one happens in the first half, the other two happen in the second half. And the second half. 
Yeah, there are definitely, I, I remember reading it and I remember it was like, Ooh, oh, oh, okay. So uh, basically the second half of this book is like after they get married, then they just have sex. It's just like sex scene, sex scene, sex scene, sex, sex scene, slight plot, sex scene, a little bit of plot, sex scene, a little bit of plot, more sex, tragedy. more sex, more sex. And tragedy. But then more sex after the tragedy. Yeah. Um, so there are 10 more tropes though. So he is a bastard who looks just like his aristocratic dad. There's some hurt comfort, but, and it's also, he like plays up how hurt he is so that she'll comfort him more. Um, they go to an opera together, but they can't make it to the opera. They have to have sex in the opera house. I uh, like that part a lot. Uh, he's got some gnarly scars from his heroic past. Got some major scars, yeah. And this is, it's a book about books. There are so many books about books out there. Yeah, it's like clearly right what you know, right? Yeah, well, and it's not, it's just not a romance novel trope. Like, there are so many books, like, even great books about writers with writer's block or whatever. <laughs> so, I will say uh, sometimes it gets to me a little bit, and this is me being a little bit... I love romance novels. You know I love romance novels. At the same time, I feel like not all that many of them are well-written. And the fact that in the book they talk about how, what a great novelist Amanda is, it's like, mm, at least she doesn't commit the great sin of putting some of Amanda's prose on the page. Yeah. Uh, our hero isn't capable of love or happiness. Yeah, that's what I don't like about this book. <laughs> Basically. So there's usually Clavis herself is one of the better writers that I've encountered. Mm -hmm. Like she's usually really good. And there was a really sloppy mistake that got left in that threw me for a loop. Yeah. At the first party she goes to at her lawyer's house. Yeah. An old friend comes up to her and she goes, dear Amanda, and then there's a paragraph of exposition about who this woman is, and then the next sentence starts with Amanda dear. Yeah. Like she missed that she'd done the introduction line before that the she'd paragraph. already did it. Yeah. Twice but inverted. And I was like, this is the sort of thing that I expect better of Clavis than her evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like. Than this, that's just one that stood out. Yeah, I, I feel like this is very typical Clavis in that there's this great setup. There's this hot sex, and then all of a sudden they get married and the plot disappears? Like, truly, they get married and there's no plot. They just say, then they did this, and then this happened. She was reading the paper, and this happened. No, I didn't need the last 25% of this book at all, but this one just started going downhill a little bit before that because of the weird baby plot line. Yeah, no, I agree. If you're going to do Surprise Baby, fine. Like, it's not my favorite thing, but I don't hate it. Yeah. Um, but the way this one played out was annoying. Yeah. You know, we talk about how if there's, this is a trope, if there's some particular attention played to birth control or pulling out, then you know there's going to be a conflict 
resulting from pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And this falls right into that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then she wants to hide it from him, and you get into their communication issues. Honestly, this book really only has two strengths to me. I generally like Lisa Kleypas. I like her characters and her characterization. Mm -hmm. And parts of this that are hot and don't squiff me out are really hot. Yeah. But I think a lot of the bones of the story really don't work for me. Mm -hmm. Lisa Kleypas just gets a pass for being Lisa Kleypas. Yeah. Well, and like I said, her, her writing can be so evocative. Like, I, I really loved the, the, the little tidbit about the tea crates at the bookstore, mm-hmm. you know, or um, a little hints about what publishing was like. You know, they talked about she's publishing a serialized novel, um, but that was seen as less prestigious as publishing like a, a three volume novel. I don't know, just like little things like that. Uh, are really kind of fun and they they were done well like it doesn't feel like she's she's wedging this historical stuff in there like you feel like oh okay that's really interesting you know mm-hmm. so that stuff was there um i liked jack just the the fact that they didn't communicate with each other was the biggest issue and that really that describes the issue with the sex that describes mm-hmm. the issue with the plot that describes mm-hmm. like that's that was a lot of the book though it is. It is. Um, so, uh, offensiveness. Was there anything offensive in this book? I mean, I think we've kind of touched on it. She thinks she orders a prostitute. Yeah. So yeah. we've got prostitution issues, which we've, we've talked about a lot lately. Um, as I mentioned, there's pregnancy stuff and then a miscarriage. So trigger warning for miscarriage. Um, and she doesn't know she's beautiful. Yeah. I, the, it, I don't know why it didn't bug me as much in this book. I think perhaps because he's the only one who really thinks she's beautiful. I still found her obsession with it really off-putting. Her obsession, yeah. I'm just saying I there are some books like um, Rebellious Desire that we just did where he's like, wow, she, she really doesn't understand the impact she has on men. You know, like, that that wasn't what this book was about. No, she's not the latest ingenue in town with every guy's jaw on the floor, but I still was bored of the fourth sex scene where he's salivating over her, and he's like, God, you're so hot. And she's like, no, I'm not. It's like, is now? Okay. Yeah. Just accept that he thinks you're really hot. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I can tell you the moment it pissed me off the most is he buys her a giant ass necklace, which Meg and I are here for. Right. And he puts it on her in bed, which, correct. And she basically says she's not hot enough to wear a piece of jewelry that good. Like, no, we're done. You're married. He's obsessed with you. You know he's obsessed with you. You continuing to talk about this is stupid. And what the fuck does that have to do with your necklace? Right? Lots of ugly people wear beautiful necklaces. Like, not to be a bitch, but it's true. You accept the jewels. Right? You think, you know what? These giant-ass diamonds make my tits look great. And you move on with your night. I think we need to write, like, rules for romance heroines. And, like, rule number one is you never send the jewels back. Um, correct. Correct. She doesn't try to send them back. She just tries to be like, 
She's like, oh, I need to take these, take these off of me, Jack. I can't believe you bought these. They're so, they're too extravagant. Rule number two is if you're in the carriage, have sex, which, trope alert, she listens to that one. Yeah, so let's move into sexiness. Um, That was hot. A lot was hot. The, the carriage sex scene was really good. Mm-hmm. Like, really good. No dubious consent issues. She was very articulate about what she wanted other than her being like, can we have sex in a carriage? That seems undoable. And he's like, I will instruct you in the ways. Yeah. He was like, we can, but we should probably wait till we get home. And she's like, nah, if we can do it, we're doing it. <laughs> like, excuse me. Um, I'm, I'm not done. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, this, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, this book is basically erotica. Like, this book starts out with the porn setup. Right? And for the record, he comes over not realizing he's been sent with the assumption that he is a sex worker. She tells him, never mind, don't want to have sex with you. He makes the decision to not tell her who he really is. But then don't worry, she has an orgasm. Yeah. And that's like 8%. In. Yeah. That's like second or third chapter. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, she finds out who he is. She walks into his office and, oh, well, she finds out who he is before she goes to the office. And then she walks into his office and, like, the sexual tension is just like. They make it through, like, th- three dinners. And you get to the point where she's, like, asking questions that she wouldn't ask. There's a couple of moments. And this goes to show, like, the wanting is often sexier than the real thing, though I will not complain about the real thing. He, she's, like, getting bolder and bolder in the questions she asks him, and he just has to tell her, like, the conversation has to stop now. Yeah. Like, if we keep talking about this, I'm going to show you. Yeah. And you are clearly not ready for that. Well, it reminds me of um, Sweetest Scoundrel. Do you remember? It's, like, the same thing. They're in the office, and she's like, so what do you mean when you say this? And he's like, you really want me to tell you? Because... I will tell you, but, um, I mean, it's hot. Yeah. Cleopas at her sexiest is really sexy. Well, and the thing with this book, though, is, like, she's, like, every scene, she's, like, trying to one-up the scene before. So, basically, it gets, like, dirtier and dirtier. Well, and you have the trope of he's recently published a collection of Stories from the brothel. Yeah. By Gemma Bradshaw. And he wants to reenact the scene. Yeah. In this book that she found too scandalous to even read. I I wish that they had actually, like, read the book and then done it. I would have really liked that. I get her not wanting to, like, indulge in lewd speculation about real people. But I do feel like her character would have at least skimmed it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I really would have liked it if he was like, let's do chapter five tonight. And then, like, they read it and then did it. I will say my issues with the sex are there's some dubious consent. Yes. Um, their breakup sex is sexy, but also not super consensual. And it made me feel weird. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Same. Same. But there's also some, like, kinky stuff that wasn't my bag. Yeah. But, the th- and I, it goes back to the whole communication thing. 
Because literally every time he goes a little kinky, she goes, no, don't do that. And he's like, he does it. Of course, she likes it. But she literally just said, no, don't do that. You know? And, like, it starts out with stuff like going down on each other. Which is relatively par for the course in romance novels, even if this is a more explicit version. Yeah. But it gets into his fingers and fruit going other places. <laughs> yes. That it's not my preference. <laughs> yeah. So this yeah. is totally a, you're learning a little bit about me, listeners, but like I was good without that part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They but got a I, lot kinkier after they got married. The only you. scene, to the surprise of none of our listeners, um, the only scene that I was like, mm, I don't know if this is sexy for, like, actual what they were doing issues, not consent issues, was when he takes her foot and puts it on his clothes crutch. I was like, let's not do the feet thing. Yeah, yeah. but, and guys, they, like, literally stop. Like, it doesn't go any further than him being like, your foot's hot, and he puts it on his crotch, and then that's it. But Lane still couldn't handle it, though. I don't like feet. He's like massaging her foot before he does. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. No thanks. But um, but basically, if you're looking for a pretty hot book, some slightly dubious consent, and um, a pregnancy slash miscarriage plot, then this would probably fit your bill. It's better than that. Like I know I've just whined a lot about what I didn't like in this book, but like it's Clavis. It's better than that. There are a lot of things that I that I really, really like about this book. And we've talked about this before, actually. We talk about how some of the books that we're most disappointed in are the ones that are, they're not bad. Like, this book right. isn't bad. I just feel like it could have been better. And that's well, what's really hard about it. He's so supportive of her career, and he's, like, a fan of her work, and they really do support each other professionally. But you gather all of that from, like, exposition later on. And I felt like if it had been more organically incorporated into the text, if you cut the last 25% and sort of beefed up some of the conversation, this could have been a great book. Yeah. And instead it was just a good book. Yeah. I mean, it's, no matter what we just said, like, about the, all the issues we had with it, this book is really, really fun. Most in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, most of the time. The first half, which is what I'm going to remember, was really fun. Exactly. And then um, there are parts there are parts where, that are just so, like, the longing in this book. Like, he is, a, he is a hero who's just pining for her, but thinks he's not good enough for her, which, that if that is your bag, you will probably really like this book. Yeah, so I, I certainly recommend it to any fans of Lisa Kleypas. It's not necessarily where I'd start, but... Agreed. Yeah, but it's it's not one to leave out. If you're rereading her works, I wouldn't leave this one out, for sure. Especially if you like the more explicit stuff. Yeah, because this book is like... I don't know if someone dared her just to be like, can you write a book where you don't go 20 pages without some kind of sexy sex? Well, you know, we've said every author sort of has the range they stick within. Like, you're not going to get something G-rated from Sarah McLean, but you're not going to get anything super sexy from Sherry Thomas. Yeah. I feel like within Lisa Kleypas' own range, 
this was pushing her limits. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is like, this is the upper limit. Yeah, I agree. And I didn't love all of it, but I praise the inventiveness. <laughs> well, if you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening.